Welcome to the Smarty Podcast Series from Charlotte Smarty Pants, where we focus on all things parenting. We talk about everything from education, health, travel, beauty, fashion, and more. Join in on the discussion at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast Series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio, and the best parties in the QC the pop star music video parties, and professional voice lessons in a studio. Also amazing content creation. Check them out at charlottestarroom.com. Hi everyone, this is Jen Plim with Charlotte Smarty Pants. Thanks for being here. Today we're talking with two experienced therapists, Melinda Schatz, a speech language pathologist, and Gail Fenimore, a physical therapist from the Midtown office of our Smarty Partners at Child and Family Development. And today we're talking about the interplay between speech and physical therapies and how they work together. So welcome, ladies. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Um, Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Um, So we'll dive right in and let's talk about what does typical speech development look like for a one to two year old? Okay, so I'll go over some of the, the, the big milestones. A lot of people, this is a big question for lots of parents. Um, they want to know, what should my child be doing? Right. So around 12 months, a child is going to start, or, well, not start. They should be babbling and producing a variety of consonant and vowel sounds. Um, they imitate sounds that they're hearing around them, and some of them are beginning to use a few words. They all recognize name for common names for common objects like shoe, ball, baba, and they will start to follow some simple directions like come here or give me. So they understand they're understanding us way before they're speaking. Oh yes, um, their understanding develops and is to a certain age is they understand more than they can express and right. then they catch up. That's awesome. Um, so, okay, so let's talk about um, the gross motor development for a one to two year old. So um, in gross motor development, you're, you have many milestones in the first year of life. And if we back up a little bit to about the seven to 10 month old, that's when you're starting to see locomotion. They're rolling, they should be starting to crawl and um, really moving about their environment. They're not walking yet, but they're scooting on their stomach, they are crawling on all fours, or they're rolling in play. So you have to start seeing that movement about their environment. And then when you get on toward 12 months, between 10 to 15 months, you should start seeing a lot of coming up on their feet, um, pulling to stand at furniture, loving to have you hold their hands and bounce and standing when you're in play. And most children will start to walk around 12 months to 15 months. Um, but the important part, they should be cruising in furniture. Um, you should just be seeing them move a lot. Right. I had, um, so when my oldest was a baby, she she wasn't delayed but she just didn't have she wasn't as mobile as the rest of her kids in her jimboree class so as we were getting promoted you know from sitters to crawlers all of her friends were cruising like running basically as babies and mine would just sit around and eat cheerios <laughs> like oh no like and so we were trying to get promoted we wanted to be with our friends and they're like well no she can't she can't go to crawlers yet because she's still just sitting eating curios she's totally fine now she's some of those 19. things happen with preschool classrooms too you yeah know, to move on from 
right. the toddler to the you have so to be a walker. Horrible. So you you think you run into that a few places. Does it mean anything if one's just a really fast? Like um, my twins were are really agile, and they they did stuff like this really fast. No, I think some children are more motor driven than other children, and I think that the key word on a lot of this between both Melinda and I, whether it's speech or it's motor development, is variety. Mm-hmm. You want to see your children. Um, you want to hone in on the fact that they're doing a variety, a variety of sounds. They don't have to make sense at this age. A variety of movement. You don't want a child who has to be placed into sitting. You know that those are sort of the red flags right. where you have to be placed into positions. You have to be placed into standing. You want to see them um, moving themselves and trying, um, and not relying on other people to place them. Are there things that we are doing as young parents that sometimes would inhibit that? Like sometimes, you know, their little boppies or those um, little chairs or things. Um, I think the biggest one um, for the last decade or more is tummy time. You know, most parents, if your child fusses, you don't do the tummy time thing. And both Melinda and I will tell you that you should be doing tummy time from the very beginning. Right. And the fact that they fuss shouldn't be a sign that you – it's not about not like it because there's a lot being developed in breath control and strength in the core right. that all happens in tummy time. I mean, we don't want to do ab work now. <laughs> we want to do ab work as <laughs> Exactly. It's and a I, lifelong battle. It is. It is. I think a lot of parents are – very well intentioned and they want to you know they don't want their children to struggle or have difficulties so they will kind of fall into um, a habit of doing things for them instead of letting their child um, move around on their own and and, you know kind of figure it out for themselves you know they see them struggling so they might prop them up or stand them up against something um, which is kind of um, goes against um, developing yeah. things like transitioning um, into different positions. Right. Sometimes we don't want them to move. <laughs> we <don't want laughs> that's them to true. Move. Yeah, that's true. We want to like... keep them in the stroller as long as possible, keep them contained. Only if they're not your first. Your first you want to move really early, and yeah. then all yeah. your others you want to wait as long Strap as possible. Strap them in. Yeah. Um, okay, so what, let's go back to speech and language. Like what is delayed? What is considered delayed? Like when when are the really big red flags showing themselves? Okay. This goes along with the the typical milestones as well. We like to see that a child by 18 months is using a minimum of 10 words. So if a child is 18 months old and not using that yet, that's a big red flag. And then by the time they're two, we want to see 50 words. And they're starting to put two-word combinations together, um, like my ball, go bye-bye, things like that. Right. Um, Okay, and so what is delayed for the physical development? Well, we really expect to see um, independent walking around by 16 months. Um, So if you're not... um, if you're not getting up into standing, some children that we see with a red flag don't even want to stand. If you're not able to pull yourself to standing, and then if you're not walking by 16 months, that's a that's a big red flag. Um, 
like we like to see children crawl. There's sort of a small debate out of there whether crawling is a milestone or not. But crawling is um, is important for upper extremity strengthening and for core strengthening, which feeds into speech and language later on. Um, if you're not um, transitioning from laying down to sitting up by yourself, or you can only do it by rolling to your tummy and getting up into W sitting, where your feet are behind you and your knees are in front, looks like a W. Um, those would be red flags also. We want you to be able to sit up from laying on your back. We want you to only have to push up with one arm not make it a whole big struggle to roll all the way to your tummy, get into all fours, push back to sitting. It should just all sort of pop yeah. and move. Do you think that um, children who are in bigger like playgroups and preschool environments, is that is that better for them to see their peers doing things? And I think some children are, are motivated by seeing other children do things. Yeah. Um, it really it, it depends on the child. They don't necessarily have to uh, be in a preschool setting to develop skills, right. typical skills. That that's just something that happens organically. Uh, but for some kiddos, that gives them opportunities and again motivation that um, just by watching it, what other right. kids are doing. It's like my twins who once one figured something out, the other one was hot on his tail. Mm -hmm. Like it was within hours, even potty <laughs> training. I didn't even train them. They trained themselves. It was great. <laughs> they were the fourth, the third and fourth. Um, so so physical development, if they are, we have all these red flags, what is the age that we need to take action and what does that action look like? Well, we do sort of find that I think it's easier the earlier the better. Um, if you're just solving a few problems, so if we, if you see that your child isn't beginning to crawl, they don't have a lot of babbling, um, in that 10 to 14-month um, range, um, getting checked out is just a good idea. Yeah. We, um, if, a, if a therapist, a pediatric therapist, checks your skills, they're looking at nuances, they're looking at quality of whatever skills are expected. And then you have just a few things to sort of start to build on and undo um, or accomplish. Right. The longer you wait, you sort of got more to backtrack on and pull And together. our pediatrician will be guiding us this whole time, right? Usually, right? Yes. Usually they, they are watching milestones um, and asking parents about that. But I think that anytime a parent has a concern, whether or not you know, the pediatrician necessarily does, that they should kind of follow that gut instinct. Because mm -hmm. sometimes just meeting the milestone doesn't tell the full story. Right, right. And a mother's intuition is, is awesome. Mm -hmm. I mean, we, we know we really should wrong. believe yeah. ourselves more times than not. Right, right. Give ourselves that credit. And then, so what about um, speech and language delayed? So, say we have our our milestones haven't been met. We're not our vocabulary is not as robust. Um, what it what does that look like? And what age? You know, like what's the minimum age that we would do that? Two seems to be uh, the age I get a lot of referrals at. A lot of times parents have been concerned before. Yeah. But 
for whatever reason, they a lot of pediatricians like to say, well, let's wait till they're two. Um, because there is a range of normal development. And some children will be a little faster and some will be a little slower, but there's a range. And, and when they come in, we're looking at not just the milestones, but as I said before, um, the quality of what they're doing, like for speech, we're looking at are they doing uh, sounds that are developmentally appropriate? Are they combining those sounds in different ways? So it's it's more specific than just are they vocalizing? And right. that helps d let us determine if this is something where they're just a little behind or where whether they could benefit from um, some direct intervention. What are some of the causes of you know speech delays and speech impediments and things? Well, oddly enough, um, we're talking about how speech and physical therapy relate today. Um, a lot of children that have a history or have some gross motor delays in their background mm -hmm. will end up uh, with speech and language delays as so well. They go hand in hand. It doesn't necessarily, if you know, they're a late walker, it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to have a speech delay and vice versa. But a lot of times, some of those delayed um, gross motor milestones impact how they are acquiring their speech sounds and how they are interacting with the world around them, how they're playing with their toys. And so what is this ther like what does this therapy look like? So say we're two and we're deciding that we need both of these therapies for our child. How often do you go and kind of what does it look like? Um, well, it's, it's sort of interesting. Uh, if you're two, you, you usually have started with a speech and language pathologist. And we have noticed this connection that if you're not moving well, then your language development sort of lags frequently. So if you're in this category, you've probably come to speech and language first. If you're a late walker and you might get to physical therapy first and you'll be there usually 14 to 16 or 18 months. So you usually start in therapy a little sooner. Right. Um, so I'm looking for the speech piece because I've got my eye on that from experience. And then Melinda and our speech and language pathologists are going like, well, how is this child really moving? So mm -hmm. once we've sort of see whether the other issue seems to be playing a role, then we bring the other therapist in and encourage the family to, to get assessed by both physical therapy and speech, whichever one's missing in the assessment. And then... We do it a couple of things. Sometimes you are coming sequentially, so you might come to physical therapy and then you go for your speech sessions. Sometimes you might go to speech and then come to physical therapy. We try, we keep them sort of hand in hand. And then occasionally, actually, um, Linda and I more and more are sort of blending that and working part of the, of the physical therapy session. She'll come in. A speech therapy session's usually 30 minutes and um, for the language portion and we'll come in and she'll come in and we'll actually team up and oh, make yeah, sure the good. child is moving and talking and being challenged with the whole pe whole piece yeah. and um, and it's been really really successful 
And the reason I think we started this is we started seeing with some of our kiddos is that our progress was so much faster mm-hmm. right. when we blended and had both of these things going Together. on, yeah. therapies going on, than when either one of us were sort of in our own little um, silo yeah. taking care of it. What if we didn't do this right and we didn't hit them at two? And what if they're getting ready to go to kindergarten We've noticed that they're not speaking, you know, as crisply as they should. Um, what happens then? Like, well, it's it's not too late. You, uh, <laughs> e- even 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 if they're older, then you know I think it's important if you have concerns to get an assessment from a professional, and it depends on what it is. But it could be something that could be addressed quickly, and it could be something that takes more time. So yeah. it's obviously it's it's a pattern that has persisted for a lot longer period of time. Right. So it's harder to undo. So yeah, it's 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 harder to undo that, but it's still um, therapy is still effective, and you can overcome many things uh-huh. even even starting later. Right. And what you see, I think, even at that age, because I I do get a lot of five- and six-year-olds who have gone to school, and then as they've tried to start their sports, recreational sports, they appear more awkward than peers. Um, They um, And so we work a lot on strengthening. But what you really see with either one of us at that age is we often see children blossom with their confidence. Right. Their mm-hmm. whole personality you can changes. Tell, right. mm-hmm. It is yes, it's one of the funnest parts of our job. You take this sort of quiet, sullen child who's a little afraid to speak out and then they just turn into this delightful, bubbly, chatty right. little person and then from a physical therapy perspective, they're ready to go conquer the world with their whole body. Yeah, so that's it's so awesome. Yeah. I mean, a lot of my friends, um, my, my kids have not had this, but so a lot of my friends' kids have. And I feel like a lot of them were later. You know, they, they kind of dragged, maybe it was a third or fourth child, and you didn't, you know, everyone's doing everything for them anyway, you know, <laughs> even their siblings. So sometimes, you know, just life gets in the way and you don't even realize. But, um, but yeah, I bet that's so rewarding to see the progress and how they just morph into who they're supposed to be, which exactly. is great. Exactly. It is. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, thank you, ladies, for sh- being with us today. And Smarties, you can find Child and Family Development on childandfamilydevelopment.com and on Facebook at Child and Family Development and Instagram at Child and Family DEV. And as always, you can find us daily on charlottesmartypants.com, Facebook and Instagram at charlottesmartypants, and Twitter at charlottesmarty. Thanks so much for listening to our Smarty Podcast. You can always join in on the conversation at charlottesmartypants.com. The Smarty Podcast series is produced by Charlotte Starroom, Charlotte's premier boutique music development and corporate video production studio. Check them out at charlottesstarroom.com.